Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I, I, I see a, a big waterfall, and I see a person standing in front of it, trying to reach, trying to reach it, trying to reach for it. And what I see here, what I feel the Lord is saying is that there is a, a real desire. There's a real desire by one of you or several of you for the spirit flow in your life. And you feel disconnected from that. You don't know how to access that, to have that supernatural flow, to know him, to let his grace and his spirit continually flow over you and over you and over you and over you. Grasping, 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 grasping. Grasping for that waterfall, grasping for the waterfall. And the Lord says tonight, that's not how you get it. That's not how you get it. You don't get the things of God by grasping for them. And by trying hard. And the next thing I saw was this person just lay down. And the water began to rush over them. Because this is a gift. You can't earn it. That's not how, he, that's not how you get it. You rest. You rest. I don't know that works against how we think or what we think we need to do about the power of God in our lives. You must pay the price, count the cost. No, he paid the price. I simply pay the privilege of receiving everything that he paid for. <laughs> Amen. Tonight, I want you to be free tonight and know that God loves you and he's not far away from you. He's not waiting for you to get your act right. He wants you to rest. I want you to go to Psalm chapter 23 for a moment. The book of Psalms. Psalms. As one friend of mine used to call them, spasms. <laughs> Psalms chapter 23. I love Psalms 23. I don't like the fact that it's usually only quoted at funerals, but it is a very good scripture to quote at funerals. In any funeral I'm a part of, I make sure to quote it. But it is full of life. It's more than just a psalm of comfort in our sorrow. It's a psalm to live by. It's a psalm where we find great understanding of God. And it starts by saying, let's all start with verse 1. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now think about that for a moment. Understand what this is really saying. My friend Lynn used to have a hard time with this verse. He used to see it as the response to the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
But he's learned a few things since then. And what David is teaching us is, I shall not lack. He's my shepherd. That means I have everything in him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does shepherd mean? He's the one who's over, overseeing you. He's the one who's watching over you. He's the one who's caring for you. God, You have no defense for yourself. The sheep does not have a defense. That's why they have to have a shepherd. And Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. No one can snatch you from my hand. No one. In me, you're going to come in and out and find pasture every, every time. The Lord is my shepherd. Everybody say, possession. I am his. And he is mine. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd, which means I'm his sheep. That's my shepherd. Come on, say that. That's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Which means there's always provision. Always. And then the next verse says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. See that? Shh. Lie down. And look where He causes us to lie down in green pastures. See, he's created you to enjoy the best. Makes you lie down in green pastures where it's lush and where it's plentiful. The best. You're made for the best. You're made to have the best. If he's your shepherd, he's going to make sure you got the best. He's not a cheap shepherd. (laughs) Amen. He's here to bring you the best. Green pastures. You know, what is a green pasture? What does that speak of? Well, should we say it? Prosperity? <laughs> and you should know. The best, prosperous. Beloved, I wish above all that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. If he didn't want us to have an inkling of prosperity or to get the wrong ideas about prosperity, then why in God's name is his very first miracle one of prosperity, abundance of wine. If that's not what's in his heart for us, then why in God's name would Jesus, when he did the great miracle where he fed the 5,000, why didn't he just give them as much as he wanted to? Like, how come he didn't act like Joseph Stalin? Or Karl Marx, or any of these things. Okay, you just need that. That's all you need. It's just that little bit right there. I know this is all you need. And all you need is just a little snack for the road home. And distribute it evenly among everybody, so everybody... No, 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 that's not how he did it. The scripture says he kept handing it out, and everybody ate as much as they wanted. Now, that's the kind of buffet I want to go to where you don't even have to get up. That food just keeps coming to you. Get all you want. All you want. Why would it do that? And have 12 baskets left over. 
I mean, he's God. Can't he calculate when it's going to be the perfect amount and there's, that's it? What kind of message is he trying to get to us? Hmm? More than enough. The very last miracle. There's some others in between. I don't have time to go over all of them. But the very last miracle Jesus performs is again one of abundance. After he's risen from the dead, he's standing out there on the seashore, which I love this picture. It says that Jesus is frying fish. He's, char- he's grilling fish. He's raised from the dead. What is our living, risen Lord who just conquered death, hell, and the grave? Why has he got a spatula in his hand? What is he doing? Flipping fish over. He's standing there on the bank cooking. I love this Jesus. He's so relatable. He's so relatable. He came to this earth, born like us, became a man, and apparently he loves being a man. He's grilling. And he looks out there and he sees his poor guys working, working their business and not getting any profit. All night long, these guys are fishing out there. They got to make a living. They got to put food on. I mean, Peter's got a wife, possibly, possibly kids. He's got a family to provide for, and they're there, and they're not catching anything. And then Jesus says, it's almost like he's kind of making fun of them because he's got food. He says, children, have you any food? No. We've been fishing all night. He says, cast the net on the other side of the boat. Okay. Who is that? Who is this joker? So they threw it on the other side. But something about it sounded a little familiar. Do you remember the miracle before? So they threw it over the side of the boat, and it says, and they were not able to draw it in for the abundance of fish. That Peter actually had to grab the net and start dragging it to the shore. And the other boats came in and they're found in that net. And I love the way the Bible makes sure that we know that it was 153 large fish. He didn't throw minnows in there. Large fish. I mean, it was a catch. And then he said, bring some of that that you caught. And Jesus fixed breakfast for everybody. The first miracle, the last miracle, both are miracles of abundance. You got to pay attention to those things that are mentioned first, those things that are mentioned last. Very important. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside what kind of waters? Still waters. What mess, what, what, what imagery do you get from there? Peace. Peace. He leads me beside still waters. And then it says he restores my soul. We need our souls restored. Some of us got wrong thinking up here. Hmm? Some of us let our emotions run wild. It's the area of the soul, mind, the will, the emotions thing that makes up who we are, personality. But I don't know about you, but I need it restored from time to time. And He restores our soul. Restores my, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. 
I like this. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Not just any path. This is a particular path. It's a path of righteousness. And the scripture has all kinds of promises about the righteousness and the righteous in the earth, how they prosper and how they how the, their, their life is continually going brighter and brighter and brighter. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It grows brighter and brighter to the full day. Life gets gooder. You may be getting older, but you're getting better. That righteousness keeps you moving forward. Hmm? Keeps you progressing. Keeps you growing into new things. That's why the, psalm, the psalmist teaches us later on in um, Psalms 84, 89. I don't know. One of them. And he says that those who dwell in the house of God, those that are planted, I should say, in the house of God, they'll bear fruit even in old age. That means the Lord ain't done with you just because you get old. He's got plans for you. There's fruit still to be harvested from you for the rest of your life, a fruitful life. Hmm? As Ashley was talking earlier, she said that we have the blessing of Abraham. You know what God told Abraham? Abraham, when you die, it's going to be a good old age. Not a sick old age. Not a diseased old age. Not a weak and falling apart old age. But a good old age. Anybody want to take that tonight? Well, you just need to say, that's my blessing. That's my blessing. The blessing of Abraham is my blessing. I'll take that blessing. Amen. They'll bury me at a good old age. Hallelujah. Satisfied life. Isn't that beautiful? Leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. See, God has a path for us to walk. It's a path of righteousness. And in that righteousness, there is much blessing. Which means that righteous path also has boundaries. Not to bind us, but to actually free us. Not to bind us, but to free us. I like football. Anybody here like football? I like the sport of football. I don't like what's been going on with the teams I particularly like, but um, I still love the game. But a person, one of these high-powered athletes, all of them are, cannot truly play well unless they first know the rules. And when they know the rules and they know the boundaries of that field, and once they understand the perimeters, then they can play at their optimum. This righteous path is a path of perimeters. It's not every path, it's one path. path or it's paths of one thing, righteousness. Amen. To protect you, to free you, to give you a vision for his name's sake. That's the purpose of it, because his name's on the line. Don't you love his name? You know what David also said of him? You exalt your word even above your name. He exalts his own word even above his own name. Because God knows this truth like we all do. If your word's no good, your name's no good. So he gives us his word so that we can always call on his name. Hmm? For his name's sake. He's willing to put his name on the line for this. For you. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The key word to me is the word shadow. Anybody here ever been injured by a shadow? You ever had a shadow attack you? Huh? Say you're out having a picnic somewhere. Got these guys playing football, they're throwing a ball, and that shadow crosses over your head. What do we do? Ah! <laughs> Nothing. I'm just trying a new dance. I don't know. That guy just freaked out for no reason. I thought it was, I thought it was something, but it was just a shadow. <laughs> Didn't do anything to me. This is about the right perspective. David has a good perspective here. Hmm? I walk through the valley of the shadow. Hey, listen, the trouble that's in your life, you need to say, it's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. Whatever difficulty you're facing right now, won't you just say that with your mouth? It's just a shadow. Hmm? It's just a shadow. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You may be in it, but you're going to get through it. You're going to get through it. In the words of the great theologian James Brown, people, people, we got to get over before we go under. <laughs> yes, I listen to James Brown, some of the best stuff out there. Shadow, just a shadow. Watch, what, he, what does he say? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Where am I going to fear no evil? After it's over or while I'm in it? Hmm? David says, I'm taking a position here. Hmm? I'm taking a position. And my position is, I ain't afraid of shadows. I will fear no evil. Because the Word of God says, no evil shall befall you, and no plague shall come near your dwelling. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. I will not fear. Why? For you are with me. You are with me. Oh, there he is. You are with me. What is that? What is that? Oh, yeah, there is his presence. You are with me. And the scripture says he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Ever-present. His presence is in you. His presence is in you. It's not just around you. It's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm. I'm almost through. Your rod and your staff. As my son Dylan used to say when he was about three or four years old, he learned Psalm 23, 1 through 6. And he was so cute. He'd get to this verse. And I know why he did what he said what he said, because we whipped our kids. <laughs> and I'm not talking, stop. That's one. No. <clears throat> we hit them. They felt the pain. He's a great teacher, that pain is. And that rear end will somehow, some way, 
reach its arm up and grab your brain and say, stop being stupid. I'm paying the price for your choices. When he'd get to this verse, he'd say, your rod and your staff, they come for me. (laughs) All I can see is that paddle coming at him. (laughs) They come for me. Your rod. (laughs) Your rod and your staff. The shepherd has the rod and the staff. The staff is a long stick that goes up with a crook like this. You know what I'm talking about? It looks like a question mark. But then there's the rod. And it's a heavy piece of wood. Never does the rod encounter the sheep. Never. Just the crook. And as the sheep are being herded along, if one starts to stray, he gently puts that staff out there and pulls them back. Stay on that path of righteousness. Hmm? But the rod, he uses it on the predator, the wolf, that which would come and try to steal and destroy, gets the rod. There's protection in that. There's protection in correction. He's not correcting you to hurt you. He's correcting you to protect you. And if he is a good father, and he is, he's going to correct you. (laughs) You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's one of the most powerful pictures to me. The imagery of this psalm is extraordinary. He says you prepare a table, a table before me. What kind of table are we talking about? We're talking about a table with a feast. And where are you eating this feast? In the presence of who? I love this. This is how thorough the work has been accomplished through Jesus. The scripture says he disarmed the devil. He rendered him powerless by this work that he did. The devil ain't got nothing. He he has no weapons. He's got a mouth that lies. That's it. That's the best he's got. So David, it's almost like he, God caused him to see all the way to where we are right now. This New Testament reality that there is a rest that remains for the people of God. This is the rest that they all look forward to when the Redeemer would come and redeem them from their sins. You're living in that. You're living in that reality. You're living in that rest. He says, you prepare a table before me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. I love this. This is such a beautiful picture of spiritual warfare, one that we don't really much pay much attention to. When it comes to spiritual warfare, we think about... (laughs) Right? Take that, devil! No, no, no. Here it is. Here's the spiritual warfare he wants to bring you into. Devil staring at you, demons, everything that's coming against you, sickness and disease. And you're winning when you're sitting and eating. There ain't nothing your enemies can do 
about that, your seated position at that table. Thank you, Lord. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. What is this oil? What is this? It's called the anointing of the Spirit of God. He puts his anointing upon your life. And that anointing teaches you. That anointing permeates your very being so that you then can function in the power of the Holy Spirit. And lay hands on the sick, see them recover. To not only experience it for yourself, but to give it to others. That anointing is not meant to keep to yourself. Amen. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Again, there's plenty running over. If it's running over, that means, again, we've got someone to share it with. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. How many days? How many days are goodness and mercy going to follow you? Hmm? How many days? All the days of your life. You are our goodness. Come stand right here. You are mercy. Come stand right here. And I want you to follow me wherever I go. All right? David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days. Now think about this. Now I'm talking about because, because we've, we've done things that are wrong. We've, we've had failures and, and we have stuff coming to us. So every once in a while I peek over my shoulder to see if what I've done is going to catch up with me. But when I look over my shoulder, all I see is goodness Amen. and mercy right. <laughs> following me. When it, should, when it should be, when it should be, thank you, goodness and mercy. Can we give them a big hand? When it should be, when it should be karma, should be karma. What goes around comes around, holler. You're going to get yours. God's going to cut you down. All I see is goodness and mercy. Following me wherever I go. Mm, mm, mm. You look forward, he's there. You look where you are, he's there. You look behind you, there he is again. The same yesterday, today, forever. All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Where's that? Right here. And up there. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? How long is he planning on keeping you in that house? Hmm? He has perfected forever those who are sanctified by one offering. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's put it all together. Let's just say it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, why don't we offer up a praise right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.